1: Thank you. Uh, Welcome, everyone. Just to say that our uh, service this evening was a memorial dedication for David Crosby from the Birds and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Uh, And uh, the young man who we also mentioned, Manuel Tortiga Turan, was a forest defender uh, who was uh, protecting uh, the forests around Atlanta, where they are trying to build something called Cop City, which will be a military training place uh, to uh, use military uh, on uh, protesters. So uh, he was shot and killed by the Atlanta police. Um, uh, So that was our memorial dedication tonight. I want to introduce Alex Bernstein, who is our new director. And I think Wade is sitting next to him. Um, So uh, Alex and Wade are together replacing Douglas Floyd, who uh, was our director and president for uh, 10 years and has stepped down. Alex is our new director and Wade is our new president and board chair. Uh, Alex, thank you very much for giving the talk tonight.
2: Of course, thank you. Thank you. Uh,
3: I'm going to start with a...
2: Quick story, a quick Dharma story by the late, great Rondas and he's um, sometimes Buddhist, too, as well. But there was an old Zen monk who was dying, who had finished everything and was about to get off the wheel. He was just floating by free and pure in his Buddha mind when a thought passed by of beautiful deer he'd once seen in a field and he held on to the thought for just a second, and immediately he took birth again as a deer. So um, it's always wonderful and um, awkward to be up here on this uh, this seat in front of everyone. Um, I think it, the with the diamond seat is called the, the, the Bodhi Himanda, and uh, I've never had any... Particular kind of awakening, but I think if I did, it would be like a very awkward one. So this <laughs> is the, right, the, right, the right place to be. But uh, it's great to hear uh, David Crosby m- mentioned because um, um, my uh, talk tonight is kind of a a rock, a rock and roll story, and a ghost story, and uh, and um, and you know, a story uh, about grief as well, and um, um, it kind of takes takes me back to like right before the pandemic in the summer of 2019. And, you know, I, did, I feel like a lot of things before the pandemic um, uh, kind of never really got sorted properly because, I don't know, it's, it just sort of like reminds me of, um, you know, um, there's all those stories about the, you know, the permafrost thawing in Greenland and some uh, little girl is like out ah, with her dog and stumbles, you know, uh, trips on the spear of, you know, the million year old, uh, Neanderthal, uh, half frozen in the ice. And, um, yeah, um, I guess I'm that little girl in this particular story, but, um, yeah, so I don't know. I've been thinking about my friend who passed away right around that time in the summer of, of, uh, of 2019, um, partly cuz it uh, was just his his birthday uh January 9th he would have turned uh 45 would have been his 45th birthday and um um and his 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 brother is kind of a like a compulsive archivist so he's been reaching out uh we played in a uh Pete my friend who passed away and I we played in a band together for you know most of our adult life and our in our uh, 20s and 30s, and um, his younger brother, um, who's been in contact with me, is is collecting, you know, every song that he recorded on his phone or, you know, any song lyrics um, written on the back of Wendy's napkins or, or anything like that. Um, I don't know, I've just been sort of thinking about um, um, about my late friend and his life and what my Buddhist response was. And then this, this, um, uh, this particular time uh, when he passed, but um, you know, uh, as I said, you know, Pete was my, my very, very dear friend. Uh, We played uh, together in a band starting in our very early twenties. And, you know, I just see him and our drummer Matt once a week and, just sort of structurally, uh, they became my uh, best friend, and he was, um, you know, just a very generous, solid guy. You know, the most generous person you'd ever meet, he'd give you, you know, his his last beer, his last half sandwich, and he'd drive you to whatever uh, far-flung uh, suburb of Chicago you needed to be dropped off at or picked up in and um, he's like a compulsive musician you know like uh, every time he came over you'd have to put an instrument in his hand like a ukulele or a guitar or he would not be at ease and um, you know he was always breaking into song and he had a very very keen ear um, and uh, he liked to impressed people, particularly win, uh, women, by um, playing, uh, you know, 80s uh, sitcom uh, theme songs. Um, and the one that he, uh, uh, the one that would bring down the house and lead to the sing-along was The, the, the Facts of Life, which is very, that. that uh, needless to say, he did not have a lot of luck with women. Um, but... Um, yeah and and so he was just one of those 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 people who who was always um, um there and it felt like always would be there and so um um you know just to talk about what was going kind of on in my life in in twenty nineteen so uh you know maybe about seven or eight years earlier in in twenty twelve um uh i got Divorced and uh you know m- my life was just you know tail spinning into in anxiety and depression and um um you know i uh, had nothing but you know a pretty casual addiction to benzodiazepines to show for it, and um um you know, I really just wanted peace of mind more than anything. And I, I didn't even know what that looked like. Um, and at that, at that time I found a a Korean, uh, Zen temple here in Chicago and, uh, took an intro meditation class there. And, you know, it was like the skies parted. I just, I could not get, uh, enough, uh, uh, Zazen and, you know, uh, sort of the, the months and years, Flew off the calendar and, you know, I just became more and more involved at the at the temple uh, until the point then, you know, 2016, where I uh, enrolled in a, a, a pretty rigorous seminary program. And uh, by the summer of, of 2019, um, I uh, was in uh, New York City for the culminating event of all this practice. Which was um, an, an ordination ceremony. Uh, the the temple's flagship uh, location was in Manhattan, so it was there. You know, with my along with my uh, my smiling uh, uh, parents and uh, and Sam uh beside me, wearing my shiny new gasa and, and feeling pretty darn self satisfied. And it was after a long uh, retreat. And, uh, you know, I had a couple extra days in New York, so I, I went over to, uh, to Brooklyn uh, in, in Greenpoint where my best friend from college had a spot. And, you know, we were, I was going to, uh, I don't know, show him just how transcendent I had, <laughs> had become in my wisdom and, and ability now that I was a, a newly minted uh, priest, whatever that meant. Um, And, you know, and everything was just great after after a retreat and the way that that it is was it was summertime and it was it was shiny. It was the the 5th of July and I'd just been ordained the previous day. Um, And we decided, uh, you know, we we drove uh, to the to the beach in in Long Island and we're going to have a great relaxing day. Um, and then, uh, while we were on, uh, the way there, you know, I got a call from Pete's sister and, uh, she was saying that, um, you know, they were, they were worried about him because he had no called, no showed to the, to the family's, uh, 4th of July gathering the, the night before. And, you know, I didn't think much of it and then started exchanging texts and phone calls with, uh with, uh, Matt, who was the drummer in our band. Um, uh, and he wasn't able to reach him, uh, uh, either. And, you know, they'd been to his, his home and knocked on the door and no answer. And, uh, finally, you know, time sticking by in the afternoon as I'm watching the water and, uh, uh, and Matt finds his car and it's parked in front of his house. Um, and, um, uh, now people are starting to get a little scared and and uh i'm talking to matt on the phone as he's going up the back stairs to his building in logan square and um the windows open and and i say don't, don't go in matt don't go in um and he doesn't um but he calls his family and uh they call the fire department and the paramedics, and um, uh, next thing you know, I'm on the phone with uh, Matt, kind of driving back from the beach, and services cutting in and out. Is there, is there uh, knocking down the door with the fire axe? And uh, you know, um, they they find uh, Pete, the paramedics, through the firemen, and um, um, yeah, and he and he had passed away and um and uh i'm I'm stuck in New york not able to to help with anything and and um uh my literally uh, years of of Buddhist practice felt like they they offered me no solace you know um that is blaming my friend who I was staying with for not comforting me. And I wanted to get back to Chicago, but I couldn't fly back. There was no flights and um, I was just spinning and then uh, getting back to Chicago the 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 next day and, and finding out that, you know, my nearest and uh, dearest friend had had a, a secret um, um, uh, opioid habit and um, that, None of us knew anything about it and um, having to call our other friends and uh, say what had happened and uh, and explain to my uh, son who was nine at the time about, um, you know, my friend who he knew was Uncle Pete and and what had happened and and why. And um, uh, yeah. And. And, um, all, all that practice, all those, you know, and all those prostrations, you know, um, were for nothing. It felt like because there was no solace, um, and there was no peace of mind and there was, then there was nowhere to hide. Um, and, um, yeah, I and and so um here we are uh, a number of, a number of years later and um um uh, I guess you know the the lesson of of practice being always uh you know kind of when you think that you have it um you don't have it but um I, I don't know I don't I don't really have a lot of wisdom to share other than you know Again, uh gave a wonderful talk yesterday kind of uh, uh, about uh, world peace um, and sort of on, on the face of it, um, you know, doesn't have a lot to do with sort of um, uh, loss and, uh, and grief. But um, I think, um, you know, that ultimately that it's, Impossible to sort of seek peace in the world unless um, I'm seeking uh, uh, peace within myself and my in my heart. Um, and I just think about my friend and and how deeply he must have been suffering and how um, um, in in my own life that it's 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 pretty. It's pretty complex, but pretty simple that, uh, given difficulty, you know, uh, that I either can, um, run, uh, run away from it. I can run towards something else or I can, um, sit with, with pain, um, and, and 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 what does that do exactly I, I don't know it it doesn't necessarily do anything so much as um um i think it um, provides some broken heartedness or to sit with yeah to sit with broken hearted compassion you know for Uh, for myself and and all my shortcomings and my limitations and and my ability to uh, love and help people I care about and, you know, to protect my child and and parents and um, for the beautiful... Um, delusions that I've created in my life um, about things that I think will not change or go away, or that will um, always be there. Um, but I, after all of this, I guess um, I have a different relation to practice, which you know, practice isn't. Um, a means uh, to, you know, achieve peace of mind—at least not for me personally—but it does provide uh, a kind of uh, steadiness, so that I can I can look at my pain um, and uh, see that it's not me, and um, to love myself. More and to love the people um, in my life who I care about and who aren't there anymore. Anyway, I always have like a lot of platitudes at the bottom, but I don't like reading them at the end, and I don't understand. It <laughs> seem like much, but I I I, uh, I I would like to open it up to anyone who had, has questions or comments, or maybe would like to talk about their uh, their own experience. Um, um,
3: having lost someone or uh, experiencing uh, grief. Thank you. Hi, I can uh, chime in. It's uh, Nicholas. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for that
4: story. And unfortunately, I could really identify because I had a friend who was 45 who died of a drug overdose during the pandemic. He was a Zen practitioner and um, did participate with the, the San Francisco Zen Center and a bit here at Ancient
3: Dragon, Ken Ballard. And um, yeah, so I guess it's not a very unique story these days, but um,
4: I really don't have much to say, except that I'm sorry for your loss. And I I did find that um, one thing that has really helped me is that when I'm struggling with uh, my grief, I often call Ken's mother who I know is having a harder time than I am and um check in with her and 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 we talk about our grief and and that has been very helpful um we did have a relationship before she died before he died rather um so yeah so that's been something that that I've done that that has um, helped me and and
3: I, I hope that it's been helpful for her too. I, I'm pretty sure that it has been. Um, but yeah, grief, loss. Part of our stories. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much,
5: Alex, for your very open. Uh, um, I lost a dear friend on uh, New Year's Day this year, and uh, he was much older than 45, but, um, you know, he was my dear friend, <laughs> and I didn't want him to die, but he did. Um, and so I'm thinking about your question about how our practice uh he used the word solace. Our practice um, benefits us or benefits this situation in some way. So my friend was Lutheran, and um, he was a very – Lutheranism was a very important part of his life. And so his wife and his children and all of his friends and brothers and so forth had a huge thing in a Lutheran church with And then it was just packed. Actually, it was Ebenezer. We all know that because we practiced there for a while. It was just packed. And there were people on Zoom. And I found that service so beautiful and um, moving because everyone was there being sincere and open-hearted and loving and grieving together. And they asked me to read the Beatitudes. I wore my rock (laughs) as and it was beautiful and so the i felt like our practice just helped me be open to being there with the experience in a in a real way that helped me and helped me connect to people and so you know it doesn't make it easy but it does cracks us open a little bit at least it cracked me up a little bit all these years of sitting and bowing and um, chanting and all the stuff we do so thank you everything is just not an easy thing
6: uh eight years ago i moved um from europe here and um recently the third person passed away that I couldn't be there, that I was really attached to. It. And I guess that happens, you know, a couple of family members, another one is a person I was really attached to, it. Uh, much more mature, senior than I was, uh, 75. Um, but at the same time, you know, despite the distance that I can understand the frustration of being in New York and the fact happening far from you, um, and despite, you know, different family members, um, or or somebody who's you, you mentioned your friend was Lutheran, my friend was the most atheist person that I've ever met. Um, and at the age of seventy five, and even at the end, but even in my very um, rare practice through the years, I guess one kind of like consolation that I found is that I don't want to sound too simplistic, but I think that it it, it doesn't matter. Atheist or not, at the end of the day, the real story that you shared in the beginning is, is what we might have in common. And I think that, you know, whatever the experience, whatever they believe, believe whatever
3: the distance, I, I bring the experience
7: of their life with me, um, wherever it is. And 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 we share the conclusion of the story. Yeah.
2: So thanks for sharing. Thank you. And I think I think what got lost in, in my telling is, is sort of my naivete that um, practice could be used to transcend grief. And that um that you know priest or or Zen Master or whomever that um uh you know at the at the previous uh temple that I sat at they had t shirts they literally read Suffering is optional um and um i don't i don't know if I would uh frame it that way anymore. I think that could be misunderstood, you know um and that um that you know that there's um beauty i i think to be found in, in being there with our our suffering and that that is is uh more of uh, the the promise of the sort of humanity of of, of practice um rather than a a, a free pass uh on uh, experiencing human emotion thank you
3: asian has her agenda.
0: Hi. Hi. Sorry, uh, I'm technically challenged. Um, thank you for a nice, thought-provoking talk, Alex. I also um, earlier in my practice struggled with um, thinking that I should have equanimity, and that equanimity would mean, you know, that whatever it is that happens, I'm just okay. And um, and I've I've been disabused of that idea, you know, slowly but surely. Um, through through lots of different life events. Um, and the, definitely there have been times in my life where the last place I wanted to be was sitting with myself and my thoughts and feelings on but I think, um, you know, more recently, I think I, I I feel like part of my practice is to just relax with those feelings, the the pain, the, the, the practice allows me to relax a little bit, um, because of feeling, you know, contained and held. And so when things, you know, just suck, I just allow them to suck and, and know that, and try to relax with that and, and find a way to go on. Um, I don't, I don't expect that my practice will buffer me from that anymore and I, and I don't think you are I I don't think you do either I think that's that's part of what you're saying um that we you know we 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 just live um my mom passed away this past summer at the age of 81 and um that was that was really my my experience of it was just sort of you know being there and just being able to sort of be you know Moment by moment, with with whatever was going on, and and to just relax. Um, so I, for what it's worth, I I still abide by my idea that you know we we pr- practice so that we can relax when when things happen to us. Thanks.
8: I think Newson
6: has his hand raised.
8: Yes. Thank you, Alex. Um, In your talk, I could not help but be reminded of a passage that probably everybody's familiar with from in Zen Mind Beginner's Mind. Excuse me. Where Suzuki Roshi, you know, talks about um, a parent, you know, just ravaged with anxiety about a child that's very, very ill. And he makes a comment, something to the effect, until you've sapped in similar circumstances, you haven't yet met Zazen or whatever. And that just really hit me. And, um, it occurs to me. I mean, we all, all of us come with this karma, you know, that's all in one way or the other. Uh, we always are tempted to, um, Try to be somewhere else, you know, and that's, that's our, you know, in one way of just sort of diagnosing our fundamental problem. We always want something else. And the thing is, you know, you ask like what are the purposes of all those tens of thousands of prostrations and all those achy knees on the, uh the uh, cushion, you know, and it's not like that's as people have pointed out quite accurately. It's not, that it's going to take you beyond anything. Well, yeah, the semantics are always so difficult. Let's just say uh there is a heart suture can to contend with, but it's not it's not going to um it's not going to uh, it's not a panacea, right? But if you have those if you have that case you know, those hours of of whatever your practice has been, you know, um in these situations it will at least um occur as a possibility that you can sit down. Um, and if you sit down You know, you are not going to be, uh, going after whatever you go after. I'm not going to be, you know, looking for rum, you know? I mean, it it gives a, it gives a form. Zazen gives a form to our grief. It gives, you know, Asian uses the word container. It gives us, it gives us a way to, uh, continue to be human and have you know, the full human experience without further messing up the situation or damaging ourselves or whatever. It's a refuge and not in the sense of, um, not in the sense of a refuge like, uh, whatever your friend was seeking in opioids or whatever else we might see, but it's, it's truly a sanctuary, a place that we can go if we have the the um togetherness to, to remember it to remember that it's there. So anyway, thank you very much. I'm I'm sorry for everybody all the grief that's being expressed tonight. And yeah uh, that's all Tiger. You're unmuted
3: Tiny Oh
1: can you hear me now? Yeah. Alex thank you very much for your heartfelt talk, um, you know, Requiem, um, and it reminded me of um, an old, a good friend uh, who passed away during the uh, pandemic, um, Nick, who was my college roommate, and we kept in touch, she lived in North Carolina and Durham, and anyway, we would talked regularly about our lives, and books and movies. And anyway, he, um, he fell off a roof, he, he was a uh, he was kind of skilled working with houses, he, he worked for Habitat for Humanity for years, and he fell off a roof. And um, it took a week before he passed. And um, so I just appreciate the way you talked about your friend. I think grief is a way, and when we have a grief for somebody, it's a way of honoring them. So I feel feel um, like Pete is alive for you in a way that's um, wonderful. And so our grief is a way of remembering, uh, and thank you, Nick, for mentioning Ken Ballard, who I remember coming Wednesday mornings at Irving Park. Um, yeah, so we have grief for people, and uh, it's good that we feel grief. Uh, to feel nothing, to think that, that Zazen us, will allow you to not <laughs> have feelings. Uh, I don't understand that. <laughs> um, to actually remember someone and 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 everything that they were for you in their life is alive now in your grief. So thank you for that. Yes.
3: Nicholas, is your hand up from before or do you did you have something said? Oh, it's my hand up.
4: <laughs> Sorry. I'll try to put it down. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Thank you for your talk, Alex. I, uh, you know, I was thinking as we were talking about what is comforting or what do you do with the grief when somebody you care deeply about has passed on. And uh, my exposure to grief has come primarily through family members, a large family. So at this point in my life, a number of people have gone on before me, including my parents. Uh, uh, probably the hardest for me, for sure. And it seems that the most comforting thing to me is uh, being with other people who knew him. well. So, um, especially at my father's, there were like 300 people who came through for visitation. I was fibergasted. And there were people who knew him from all different parts, times in his life. And it was so meaningful to me that those people are still alive and they remember him. And he had meaning to them. And I think for other funerals I've been to, or when someone's passed, I couldn't get to the funeral. In a group of people who all knew that person, who talked about them and remembered them and what they were about, that was comforting to me. And I feel like that's a way of holding keeping that person alive or making meaning
3: out of their life.